What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Jake Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Jake Brainy, on this Saturday night, uh, April 10th. A lot of fun. We are within three weeks of the NFL draft. A lot of fun things going around. You're seeing trades, teams getting ready, you know, positioning themselves for a quarterback. You see some teams shedding a little bit of salary. Maybe they're going to make a move after the draft. Um, but really what's going on is other sports right now. Baseball started up this week. You had the NCAA tournament finish. The Masters started. So like kind of a lot of other things going along. This is where kind of the NFL draft takes a back seat for a week or two and then really ramps up with some terrible rumors out there. You know, you'll get something about uh, it, like someone's really interested in one guy and they really try to pump that up and then that guy ends up going, you know, way later than everyone expects. Or you get some, you know, bad news comes out about players. This is that time of the year too. So you got to keep your head on a swivel this year or this time of the year. This is that part of the process where everybody's a first rounder. Everybody loves this guy. Everybody loves that guy. And they try to pump up players they don't want. They try to d- dismiss players you do want. Bad things come out about them. Uh, as a fan of the Browns, I'm used to this season. I'm used to liar season where you get, I don't know, like uh, Mitchell Trubisky over Miles Garrett. You've got, um, you know, Sam Darnold over Baker Mayfield, things like that. By the way, by the way, last week's podcast, what happened? I predicted the Sam Darnold trade. How about that? I said that they were going to use Sam Darnold to use uh, in a package of picks to move up in the draft. I thought maybe the Jets would say, okay, you know what? Sam Darnold uh, and our second for, you know, and, and number 23 for Carolina's second and number eight. And then they swap a couple picks here and there. It didn't exactly go down like that, but. I had the two teams, right? I thought it might happen on like the day of the draft, maybe like when the, you know, Panthers pick came up. I thought like that's a little I don't know, like it's hard to really construct a, you know, NFL quarterback trade on, you know, while you're on the clock. So, it always made sense that it was going to happen beforehand, but Carolina, I think they made a good move. Um they they gave up a good amount I don't know if the Jets are going to keep all those picks or if they're going to move up for it, but I think uh, that's the type of move you got to make. They saw that they weren't going to be able to get into the top four for one of these quarterbacks. Atlanta's not going to deal with them at number four. So 
they made the move they had to. They're saying, look, we're, do we want the fifth best quarterback in this draft where we might not even get him? Or are we ready to go in with Sam Darnold? Are we ready to make a move and kind of like build our offense around him? And I, I think it's a really good move. Darnold's still, run, still young. Um, you know, if teams can make Ryan Tannehill work on a second shot, uh, they can absolutely make Sam Darnold work. So Matt Rule, this is a good good haul for him. Uh, I mean, already a, a really nice piece you pick up from this draft, and you get him before the draft even starts. So job well done. But, you know, the big thing about this week is the NCAA tournament that finished on Monday. Uh, Baylor beat Gonzaga, ended their shot at a perfect season. Uh, you know, it was a good tournament. It always is, especially after not having one last year. But this always makes me think of, you know what, you got to do something draft-related. Last year, did a draft-related bracket of the best players in the NFL draft. Uh, had, you know, one down to 16 seeds. Had guys I really liked, guys I thought might have been overrated a little bit. I went with just a typical, like, big board of what everyone had them. And I ended up having Tristan Wirfs win the entire bracket. Uh, and you know what? Looked pretty good because he had a really good rookie year. He went 14th overall, right? 14th, 15th overall uh, to Tampa Bay and was one of the best rookies in the class. Uh, so when I had him winning it all, uh, I'm, I was pretty pumped about that pick. So uh, going to do it a little differently this time. Not Well, not really different, but um, this one's going to be inspired from Twitter. Uh, recently, there were talks about the best and worst draft picks of recent years. And of course, that's going to come up on draft time. And a lot of people are calling out different busts in the NFL. Uh, And we're going to get to the specific players that they talk about with the Browns because there are a good amount. But, um, you know, it got me thinking because I was like, wow, you know, there are a lot of guys on there that like, I get way too like you know crapped on for being a bust, but there's also a lot of guys that you just look at and you're like, you know what? He doesn't get nearly enough credit for being a bust. I mean that guy really shit the bed. So we're gonna do strictly Browns related draft or busts. So uh, and and this is from '99 until now. So we're doing new Browns era. I'm not going back to '95 and earlier. Not going to do that. I'm sticking to the New Browns era uh, to keep it at least like on planet Earth. Now, um, a couple stipulations: uh, if you were drafted by the Browns and you never played uh, a single game for the Browns, not even a single down, you are automatically on this list as a draft bust. Because I mean, it's hard to hard to say. You know, you uh, <laughs> like. You're not a bust when you were drafted and you never played. But um, a lot of these guys, they might be on here because of injury. Uh, and I'll keep that in mind. But I seeded them based on how high they were picked. Okay, so the first, you know, the top seeds are Tim Couch went first overall in 99. Courtney Brown first overall in 2000. And then the Browns had a couple of guys go third overall. And I picked who I thought were, well, I just picked the most recent ones because, you know, I think this is already a recency bias type of draft, but uh, um, you know, so uh, Trent Richardson went third overall in 2012, and Braylon Edwards went third overall in 2005. So those are the one seeds, um, and I named these uh, brackets after what I got, like the essence, right? You know, you have the North, South, East, West, or 
uh, they, I, you know, I think they even just do like a Midwest in there instead of like, uh, um, no, maybe it is North, South, East, West in the NCAA tournament, but I named these after what I thought was like the vibe, the essence of that brack. So, so instead of the North, I have the, uh, trust me bracket, uh, <laughs> instead of the South, uh, we have nation of Chad, uh, instead of the East, we have what we call this one. Oh yeah. Weed kills. And then in the final one, uh, we have Billy Vegas. Okay. So yeah, had a lot of fun with this. Uh, also need to keep in mind, there are some players there. I didn't ha- include all first round picks, obviously, you know, Baker Mayfield and, uh, and, and Miles Garrett aren't on here. I didn't include, uh, anyone that was a rookie this past year. The only ones from the previous year that I included are guys that are no longer on the team. Uh, otherwise, I'm kind of giving guys a fair shot. And a lot of people think Mac Wilson stinks, you know, and that there are a couple other players the Browns drafted way too high or whatever. But if they're still on their rookie contracts, I'm kind of giving them a little bit of a pass unless the Browns already dumped them. Uh, didn't include Phil Taylor or Cam Wimbley in this one. I, um, I, I know they they might have not lived up to their draft hype. Phil Taylor uh, had like a short career, but he was at least all right, and he was a good player when he was on the field. Um, I didn't include him though, and uh, Cam Wembley, kind of the same thing. Phil Taylor was also, you know, a product of a trade down and what the Browns didn't take when they had a high pick number six in a year where guys like J.J. Watt, Julio Jones. Uh, Tyron Smith were guys that they could have drafted at their spot. And that that was such a loaded draft. You know, uh, Ryan Kerrigan was in it Uh, earlier than they picked was Patrick Peterson. Uh, Yeah. Marcel Darius, Von Miller, Cam Newton. Um, Oh, AJ Green. Gosh, AJ Green. Yeah. So that was a really loaded first round in 2011. Uh, But I didn't include Phil Taylor because uh, even though it really stung to not get one of these like home runs in the top 10, uh, he, he was still all right. But there's plenty of 2011 to go around. Don't worry about that. Okay, so moving on, though. Um, we'll just get right into it because uh, also oh, a few things. I didn't include Colt McCoy. Uh, I thought Colt McCoy actually did all right, even though people wanted him to be the savior of the Cleveland Browns. He was still picked like 95th overall. And considering what you get from third-round quarterbacks, I think he did okay. Um, Luke McCown was a fourth-round quarterback. Didn't really play a whole lot. Wasn't really great, but again, fourth-rounder. And then Spurgeon Wynn, people would want me to include him because of who he was drafted before. But again, he was taken 185th. He was a sixth-round pick. Uh, I'm not going to include him just because Tom Brady went 14 spots after him. Uh, and that the Browns drafted a quarterback the year before, and instead of you know taking Tom Brady in that draft, they went Spurgeon win a year after going Tim Couch. Um, but again, sixth round pick. But I felt like I needed to have to say it. All right. So so without further ado, I'm going to jump right into the draft uh, bracket. The Browns. Uh, what do we call this? Browns busted Browns bracket. That's what I'm going to call it. busted Browns bracket. Okay. So. These 16 seeds are all guys that were um, t- taken at least 200 or later and 
were never played a single game for the Browns. Um, so, you know, I, they deserve to be on here, but let's just be real. None of them are going to dethrone any of our top three picks. Um, and I'm actually going to, you know, run through them right now. So Tim Couch, he ain't losing his first round matchup against Ifo Ekpre Olamu. Same as goes for Courtney Brown against John Dunn, uh, Trent Richardson against Eric Chandler, and uh, Brown Edwards against Madre Hill. All those guys, you know, it, it's it's pretty clear what's a bust and what's not a bust. Um, Justin Gilbert is a two seed in uh, the same uh, region as Tim Couch, which is the, excuse me, um, the tr- uh, trust me bracket. Again, for those who don't know why it's called the trust me bracket, when Cody Kessler was taken by the Browns uh, 2016, in the third round, it was a year where we were like, okay, the Browns have a million draft picks. They started with the number two pick, but traded down a couple times. They didn't want Carson Wentz. And uh, they ended up with Corey Coleman in the middle of the first round. And with a buttload of day two picks, they picked up linemen, D linemen, O linemen. Um, they picked up a running back. They picked up a quarterback, Cody Kessler. And Hugh Jackson said, you got to trust me on this one. For Cody Kessler. Now, recently in his book and on his recent media tour, because of course we need to hear more about Hugh Jackson, he went on to say that uh, he had nothing to do with the Cody Kessler pick, but he stuck his neck out for a guy he never met and didn't need to. He didn't need to say, You got to trust me on Cody Kessler. If he wanted to back him up, he all he had to say was, He was like, We're excited about Cody Kessler. We think he has a lot to offer in the NFL. And uh, looking forward to seeing what he can bring to our team. Like, and that's just off the top of my head. And I just thought of that. And Hugh Jackson had a whole, you know, a whole like day basically to think about it. And instead, he went with, "You gotta trust me on this one." So he now thinks you don't have to trust him. But five years ago, he certainly wanted you to trust him on it. Okay. Um, in the next bracket, the what we call it, oh Nation of Chad, uh, Chad Thomas, who is an eight seed in ours. Uh, he was taken 67th overall, third round pick. He was supposed to be the third, second rounder, and fifth overall pick of the Browns in 2018. They had the first pick, the fourth pick, the 33rd, the 35th, and then they had a late two. I think it was 59. Um, but it was like Browns have five picks in the top 60. They just had a, w- a winless season. They need a quarterback. Boom, they get Baker Mayfield at one. Number four, it was like, oh, do they do they pair him up with another offensive weapon? Uh, would Saquon fall number four, and would they do that? Nope. They uh, ended up getting Denzel Ward, who, when he's healthy, that looks like a good pick, but when he's healthy is a big moniker. Uh, then they got... Uh, in the second round, 33rd overall pick, they picked Austin Corbett. We will be hearing about him in this. Uh, and then at 35, they picked Nick Chubb. He is not on this. Uh, and then, of course, Chad Thomas. Later in the second, they traded down into the third to pick Chad Thomas, who basically would have went undrafted if uh, you know a lot of other teams were making the decisions. But, of course, the Browns and uh had to go make him a third round pick. We never basic we basically never saw him on the field and my dad is a huge Chad Thomas fan just for the fact that people said he sucked before he ever played. And my dad was like, "You know what? It's fine. I'm picking Chad Thomas. I'm on his side." So for his birthday last year, we got him a Chad Thomas jersey, of course, months before he gets cut from the Browns. <laughs> so, we will be speaking about Chad. Uh the next bracket, we are uh we're naming that one the Billy Vegas one. Uh, of course, everybody knows the story of Johnny Manziel 
and um, it, it, I mean, I, I don't really need to. We'll go into Johnny Manziel, but you know, the story of Billy Vegas is that he wore a blonde wig, mustache, and sunglasses when he went to Las Vegas, trying to uh, hide under the moniker of Billy. And then, of course, weed kills. Um, I could put you know weed kills in the other side of the bracket just because of who was. Uh, in the bracket, but Brandon Whedon obviously kicking off that one. So, uh, you know, he killed us, and, and we'll be getting to the quarterback. So that's a little uh, little tidbit on who, on, on why they are called what they are called. So, all right, but again, all those one seeds and all the two seeds are going to advance, no problem. Um, guys like Kendall Ogle played one game. Malia Purcell never played a game, but he was taken 200th. None of them are advancing. Okay. Trey Caldwell, he was a 14 seed. You know, he was taken in the fifth round. He played one career game, but again, not going to match Danny Shelton, who is a 12th overall pick D tackle still playing in the league, but not exactly impressive. Jamora Slaughter taking on Corey Coleman. Corey Coleman, he was way too much of a bust for Jamor Slaughter. Notre Dame guy, though, Jamor Slaughter. Uh, taking 175th overall in his draft. Don Carey taking 177 overall in 2009. Not enough to take down William Green as a bust. Um, again, Slaughter and Don Carey never played a game for the Browns. Carey went on, uh, didn't even make it past uh, training camp with the Browns. Babatunde Oshinowo, big D tackle. In 2006, he played two games after uh, being drafted 181st overall. But again, he's not taking out Cam Irving. Ooh, Cam Irving has a special spot in my eyes in this draft. All right, moving to the 13 seeds, taking on fours. Okay, so all the top three seeds, ones, twos, and threes, all advance. But fours, this is where you might see a little, um, little upset. Austin Seibert was a kicker taken in 2019 uh, in the fifth round. Um, he lasts his rookie year, and by the time uh, his sophomore year came around, he was already replaced and gone. He has um, snuck around a little bit with uh, the Bengals, though. So he's hang hanging on a little bit with the Bengals. But in terms of the Browns, total bust. Not that high of a pick. However, you know, he's a kicker. You don't draft a kicker, and if you do draft a kicker, he better be good. So, like, you know, the expectations were that he was going to be an, a really awesome kicker for the Browns and didn't even last a year. However, um, he drew a tough first-round matchup uh, going up against Brandon Whedon. You just do not take down Whedon in this one. Uh, Ryan Miller played eight games in his rookie year, uh, but he's taking on Johnny Manziel. That's a clear Johnny Manziel victory. Rod Johnson never played a game for the Browns, drafted in 2017 in the fifth, uh, but he's not going to take Brady Quinn down. We got the triple quarterback threat there. Uh, Jordan Payton, though. Yeah, Jordan Payton played four career games, was a fifth-round pick, 154 overall as a wide receiver in 2016. In a draft where the Browns drafted three wide receivers in 2016, they got Jordan Payton, they got Rashard Higgins, who's still with the Browns and is doing really good with them, uh, and they also drafted, who was the wide receiver they drafted? Before Jordan Payton, they had Ricardo Lewis, who he's not actually on this, he didn't make it. Um, he did all right for himself. Again, the Browns failed him more than he failed the Browns. He was probably overdrafted a little bit. But again, you know, the Browns were just so bad at that time that, like, you can't really blame Ricardo Lewis for that. Jordan Payton, however, uh, he barely ever got on the field. He had two career catches, 
So as a 13 seed, he is going up against Austin Corbett. Um, I want to think that there is chance for an upset here, but I'm sorry. That's just a tough matchup for Jordan Payton to have to deal with because Austin Corbett was taken 33rd overall, first pick in the second round in 2018. You know, you have a whole night to think about this pick, right? Because the way that the draft works is first round happens on Thursday. The second and third rounds happen on Friday night. So you have a whole day to think about who you're going to take a 33rd. You're fielding trade offers for guys, for teams that want to move up for a very specific guy. The Browns already drafted a quarterback in the first. They drafted Denzel Ward as well. So you're thinking, okay, how do we... How do we help out our rookie quarterback? I love the idea of always pairing him with good protection there. However, I didn't think Austin Corbett was a good pick at the time. It didn't make sense to me. They didn't know what position was he was going to play. And he never broke through with the Browns. He was kind of stuck because the Browns already had good guards in Kevin Zeitler and Joel Batonio. And they just brought on J.C. Treader at center. So you're like, when the hell is this guy going to play? Where is he going to play? They move Kevin Zeitler and then think, okay, Austin Corbett's going to step in at right guard and, and play right away, and it was just so bad. Um, he, a terrible experiment there. And it just being the 33rd overall pick, like you know, you're just outside of the first round, that pick has so much leverage, and it was completely wasted. Fortunately, two picks later, the Browns took Nick Chubb, so like they, you could breathe a little bit about it. And they traded Austin Corbett for a fifth-round pick, which they used to trade for Ronnie Harrison. So all in all, like they were able to survive that fiasco of a draft pick. However, wow, was that bad. So Jordan Payton, um, as much as I think he was a bust for that pick selection, no match for uh, Austin Corbett. Okay, moving on to the 12 seeds, taking on fives. Again, I said there were going to be a lot of guys that, um, you know, they're not going to be a lot of upsets just because it's hard to say a bust when, ta- when talking about you know lower draft picks. Uh, Demario Minter never played as a fifth-round pick. Uh, he's going up against Quincy Morgan, who, you know, I liked Quincy Morgan. Wide receiver at Kansas State. He was drafted in 2001, another 33rd overall pick. He had some good moments. He was part of a really nice quartet of wide receivers the Browns had in the early 2000s when they actually weren't terrible. They made the playoffs at uh, 9-7 one year. I was at the game when they beat the Falcons to make the playoffs. Unfortunately, Quincy Morgan was known for a couple plays he didn't make as well. You know that He was uh, kind of stuck behind Dennis Northcutt and Kevin Johnson as the main receivers and had to battle Andre Davis, who's also on this list. Um... So he never really stuck out as like, you know, you take a wide receiver at 33, you're probably expecting him to be a number one guy and, you know, lead your team in receiving. He did have a 900-yard year. He had some really nice plays. He most famously caught a pass and uh, against the Jaguars, and then the Browns ran to the line, spiked the ball. But then after they spiked the ball, the refs decided to go back one play and not review the last play, but review the play before the last play. And then determined that Quincy Morgan did not catch the ball. Browns turn it over on downs. They lose the game. They miss the playoffs. And then the Browns fans throw beer bottles onto the field. And the game is called early because they say, you know what? This is it. We're calling the game right now. Jaguars win. Um, so very embarrassing moment for Browns fans. And uh, unfortunately, what Quincy Morgan is tied to. Uh, yeah, lots of Browns fan lore in here, but, uh, with that one, you know, Quincy Morgan, I hate to think of him as a bust, uh, 
He didn't put up great numbers, especially when you consider the 33rd overall pick. But Demario Minter was a, a big name coming out of college, and he never played a down for the Browns. I know he was a fifth-round pick, but we kind of thought that was going to be like something. You know, in 2006, um, there were a lot, actually a lot of bad picks from that draft in 2006. So we'll have more from there in this in, even in this single bracket. Um, however, I'm going to say this is the first upset because in my eyes, Quincy Morgan, he was always pretty good. So I got a big upset there. Demario Minter, 12, taking out the 5C Quincy Morgan. All right, moving on. Lamar Chapman, uh, he was also a fifth-round pick, played eight career games. Uh, however, he's going up against Brian Rubisky. No match there. Brian Rubisky, much bigger draft bust. Um, Ryan Pompbriand. Uh, fifth round pick in 2003 is taking on Raheem Abdullah, the five seed. Uh, Abdullah was the 45th overall pick in 1999, uh, linebacker, in a year where the Browns are just coming back. You're thinking, 45, early second round pick, you got to be able to be on the field. And Raheem Abdullah was not in two years. He wasn't even on the Browns, played like 20 career games, terrible, terrible run for the Cleveland Browns. And for a guy that was taken 45th overall, that is a big time bust. Ryan Pompriand, the only reason he's really on this list is because he's a long snapper. Um, and who the hell drafts a long snapper in the fifth round? However, he actually had a really long career with the Browns, so it's hard to call him a bust. People say he was one of the best draft picks the Browns had through the first five years. So I'm not going to call him a bust. And uh, he he does not advance, and instead Raheem Abdullah does. Jeremiah Farms, one of the final players on this list that um, never played a career game for the Browns, was pick 134 in 2001. Um, he is taking on Andre Davis, wide receiver, who was taken in 2002, 47th overall. I, again, this was a lot like Quincy Morgan. He was taken a year after him, also in the second round. The Browns kind of pumped out a bunch of uh, round two wide receivers. Uh, Davis applied a little bit to the return game, but was never really lived up to his draft stock, his draft potential. Um, so it's it's tough for me to like kind of uh, you know quantify like what he was able to do. He was a little overdrafted, but. You know, he was on a team where it was like, ah, he was put in the spot where it was like he was never really expected to break through past Quincy Morgan, past Kevin Johnson and Dennis Northcutt. Like they, those were three good wide receivers that were ahead of him. And um, he never really lived up to being more than just like a return guy, speed guy. Um, but Jeremiah Farms did not play a single game, uh, was drafted in 2001, fifth round pick. So, um that's going to be another big upset is the 12 seed beating the five Andre Davis. Uh, Andre, you were pretty good. Jeremiah Farms, you never played a game. Okay, moving up to the 11 seeds. Vince Mayo, one of my one of my favorite low seeds in this one, taking on a six seed, Muhammad Masakoy. Uh, Mo Masakoy, another wide receiver, taken in the second round. These are... the. This was another one. It's it, it seems like there's a ton of these second round wide receivers that the Browns love taking, and there are so many of them that you figure are going to be like you know step up and be good. But I've I mean I've lowered my expectations for wide receivers taken in round two in Cleveland. Um, I'm just going to say right now, Vince Mail is going to move on because he was another one where he was drafted in 
the 2015, the f- fourth round pick, they were really expecting him to actually play, and he played four career games. Um, or I'm sorry, he played two career games. He can never get onto the field, and he was he was like a big time guy out of Washington State. He caught so many passes for for them that you're thinking like, wow, he could probably start on the Browns. Like, you know, I know the Browns are a bad team. They've recently gone through, like, you know, they're dealing with all the Josh Gordon fallout. They've just gotten Johnny Manziel. It's like maybe Mayo can be kind of like that safety valve receiver and just never played. Absolutely. So he's going to survive. He's going to beat Mo Massaqua as a late, uh, you know, as a um, as an upset, an 11 over a six seed because Mo Massaqua, um, again, he was just the subject of he had to deal with Jake DeLome, Colt McCoy, Seneca Wallace, some really terrible wide uh, quarterbacks. Later, lost his arm in an accident, um, and had like I think there was like a big documentary about him too afterwards. But he was pretty good for a while there. So uh, this is this is an easy upset for me to make right now. Um, so two big upsets coming in the Braylon Edwards portion of the draft of uh, the weed kills section. So uh, something to keep an eye on with the 11 and 12 seed both advancing. All right. Another, uh, another possible 11 over a six Howard Wilson, the final guy on here, the highest pick to never play it down for the Browns fourth round pick 126 overall, never played it down. It was injury related, but the cornerback out of Houston, I really thought he was going to be good. There were two years. The Browns gave him chances and, uh, yeah, and just never got on the field. It was a real shame because I, I feel like he was a real player. But um, he's going up against Deshaun Kaiser. Ooh, this is tough because Kaiser, again, um, he was the 52nd overall pick in 2017. I was there in Philadelphia when Kaiser got drafted. You, Everyone's seen the video by now. I was screaming. I was losing it because I thought this was such a great home run pick. Obviously, didn't work out, but it wasn't because he wasn't given the chance. It was because he was given no chance. Okay. And what I mean by that is Hugh Jackson and Sashi and everybody that was in charge kind of threw him out there into the fire. We needed a veteran quarterback to be on that team. We needed RG3 to kind of take the lumps as the bad starting quarterback. And Deshaun Kaiser, he had everything you would want in a developmental young quarterback. And instead, we stuck him out there with zero chance to win. It was really uh, too bad. He is a bit of a bust uh, being a second-round quarterback that at times a lot of people thought might be a top-20 pick. So I I have to say he is a bit of a bust. But, you know, if we're looking at it as he was only taken 70 spots before Howard Wilson and at least Deshaun Kaiser played a whole season where Howard Wilson didn't, I'm going to go with Howard Wilson being the bigger bust here because I thought Deshaun Kaiser – he was less a bust and more of what was he supposed to do? You know, he, he was fed to the wolves as a rookie. Okay. Next 11 seed, Owen Marie Sitch, fullback linebacker, special teams extraordinaire was taken 124th, fourth round pick in 2011. Oh boy. That was a, that was a year. Browns trade down a couple times. They're stuck. Uh, they take Phil Taylor and then, uh, they take Greg Little, they take Jabal Sheard a year where I was like, Hey, we need to get a uh, high character guys. And they get Greg 85 tickets, uh, little Jabal Sheard, who threw a guy through like a glass window, Phil Taylor, who was kicked out of, um, Penn state before he went to Baylor or maybe that was Jabal Sheard, actually. I might have I might have mixed up my two uh, high character guys, but I was saying all this, and um, 
my friend Brendan Engel's dad was just there like being like, Jake, I thought you said the Browns are going after high character guys this year and all they keep on getting are guys that have gotten in trouble with the law. I was like, yeah, I really missed the boat on this one. So Owen Marisic, though, no, no character concerns there. He was uh, taken out in the fourth round out of Stanford. Everybody remembers him because he played both ways. Uh, and he famously scored two touchdowns in two plays uh, for the Stanford Cardinal in college. One is on offense and then one on defense special teams. So uh, he is taking on Nate Orchard. He is no match for Nate Orchard, who is a very strong six seed because Nate Orchard, when you take a DN 51st overall, you're expecting him to be a starting DN. And he never even like found out what he couldn't even not only could he not get on the field he could barely figure out what position he played was he a linebacker was he a d end it was like oh usually you know you take a guy there and you're thinking he's just going to get after the quarterback but nate orchard could not figure it out um they gave up on him pretty quickly uh even though he had a really nice like preseason right before they gave up on him but uh he wins no doubt in this contest and then finally, the last 6'11", Anthony Marlborough only played nine career games after taking 130th overall. Uh, he is no match for David Vicuni. And I'll get more into David Vicuni in the next round, <laughs> believe me. Okay, so uh, David Vicuni, though, 2009, 52nd overall pick. Uh, I'll get more to him. Moving on, though, we have 10-7 matchups. This is where it's like it's anybody's game now. Um the seven seed, Montario Hardesty, running back, 59th overall in 2010. He is taking on Isaac Souls, who only played 17 career games uh, from 2006 to 2007. And uh, he was a fourth-round pick. Kind of a waste of a fourth-round pick, but again, it's hard to break through as a lineman when you are... Um, if you know if you're a mid to late round pick because you're like what's the best you can do is basically be a backup uh no match uh Montario Hardesty takes this one pretty quickly um next up you have uh Travis Prentice running back 63rd overall in 2000 uh you know he was not like really given the chance he was kind of given a chance but um was just always beaten out by other running backs on the Browns uh, he is going to survive and uh, beat Martin Rucker, who only played five career games and was taken 111th overall, almost a top 100 pick, and only played five games. Ooh, that is a really, really bad pick. Maybe I, I'm, you know what? I might do that because Travis Prentice actually put up some decent seasons. He just had a short career. Martin Rucker, though, 111 overall, 2008. Only played five career games. That is bad. So Travis Prentice, you're actually going to get upset by the 10 seed Martin Rucker. Um, that is in the what what uh, which one are we calling this one? Oh, yeah, this is the Nation of Chad round, and um, yeah, the first upset in the Nation of Chad bracket. Uh, Martin Rucker, 10 seed, taking down the seven. Okay, next up we have uh, Greg Little. Seven seed, ooh, 59th pick, wide receiver, UNC. Didn't really know what he was at UNC. He was a running back. He was a wide receiver. He was a kick returner. He was he was built. You figured, hey, you know what? Just get this guy the ball. He is athletic, and he was given a lot of chances, but, man, did he have hands problems. He had problems with the dropsies. He is a seven seed in this. He's taking on Antonio Callaway. What a matchup. Wow. Callaway. In 2018, was the 105th overall pick out of Florida. He had some legal problems, um, and you know what? 
he did have some nice moments as a pro. He caught a bomb touchdown from Tyrod Taylor that was supposed to tie the game, and instead we missed the extra point. Remember that? Playing the Saints two years ago. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> I remember, I don't remember watching the game. I was at a surprise birthday party for my future sister in law, and we're there. And I'm like keeping an eye on my phone at like how the Browns are doing. Tyrod Taylor, it was his last game before he got hurt and when Baker Mayfield took over. Um, and the Browns just hung into this game. They were supposed to, they should have won the game, but they missed four kicks, two field goals, two extra points, and they ended up losing. Um, on like a last second field goal attempt that went went south, um, but this was it should have been they should like they scored a touchdown on fourth and ten from the fifty and were able you know it was like a hail mary bomb to Antonio Callaway, but Callaway you know he more so he was responsible for the interception on the goal line against San Francisco when the Browns got murdered on Monday Night Football they were actually in that game and. Baker Mayfield throws the ball low so that it can't get intercepted. That's why on the on the goal line, uh, you throw it low so that the worst comes to worst, it goes incomplete into the ground. You don't want to throw it high so that it gets tipped up into the range of a billion d- defenders. Because think about it, you know, you're you're on the goal line. There's not much room. So that's why you want to throw it low, because if it gets tipped, if it whatever, it'll probably go down. Uh, you don't want it going up where there's basically 10 yards and that's it and every single player is there. But of course, Antonio Callaway is the only player in the world that's short enough to get underneath the low throw. It hits off his knee, bounces up into the air, and it gets picked off on the goal line. You're like, this game is over before it even begun. Uh, but it wasn't Baker Mayfield's fault. Okay, so, but Antonio Callaway, he still, he he just... He was given so many chances with the Browns in such a short period of time, and they moved on quite quickly. Um, but hard to call bust because they knew what they were getting with Antonio Callaway. They knew that they were get- taking a risk in the fourth round. And while he did show the promise of being a good receiver, uh, it just never really worked and it never really clicked. And then he also had problems and couldn't be dependable and just fell out of the league pretty quickly. Greg Little, he might have lasted a little bit longer than Antonio Callaway, but at least, you know, Little was taken higher and expect expectations were that he was going to be a number one wide receiver. And then when they had Little and Josh Gordon, uh, Greg Little was also, uh, you know, considered like one of Gordon's enablers, uh, which also sucks. (laughs) I'm not going to give him, I'm not going to blame him for that. Josh Gordon made his own mistakes, but it kind of sucks that it was like, oh man, Greg Little, he's hurting us on the field and off the field. So um, Greg Little advances, he beats Antonio Callaway, and uh, we have one more seven versus 10 matchup. Uh, We are in the weed kills bracket. The seven seed, Charlie Fry, 67th overall pick in 2005, third rounder out of Akron. He is taking on Bo Bell, another one from that 2008 draft where the Browns didn't have a first, a second, or a third round pick. So Bo Bell was the first pick of that draft uh, for the Browns, 104th overall, uh, right before they took Martin Rucker at 111 overall. And just like Martin Rucker, Bo Bell only played five career games. And it's like, man, you take a guy at number two, 104. He is your first pick in the draft. You've had so much time to think about who you're going to take. 
because you haven't taken a single guy and Bo Bell is your guy and he plays five career games. That is so bad. So he's going to upset Charlie Fry here, the seven seed, because Charlie Fry, again, you take quarterback in the third round, you're kind of getting what you expect. Charlie Fry started a couple seasons, wasn't very good, um, but ended up lasting in the league plenty long. Uh, he's most known for, at this point, being the starting quarterback, the year that the Browns had drafted Brady Quinn and in uh, 2007. And it's like, okay, you have Brady Quinn. You have Charlie Fry. You have Derek Anderson as your third quarterback. And it was just such a wild year because all, th- all three of those quarterbacks would come into play here. Charlie Fry started the season. He got mollywopped in week one, and they traded him on like Monday or Tuesday after that first game. They go to Derek Anderson right away, and then Anderson puts up a 50-point game against Cincinnati, and we're like, holy shit, we actually might have a quarterback, and it's not Brady Quinn, and it's not Charlie Fry. It's Derek Anderson. Anderson went on a really, really good 2007 where he went 10-5, and um, and he held off Brady Quinn long enough for it to be a whole quarterback controversy, ruined Brady Quinn's career, he ruined Charlie Fry's career. It was it was awful. So, um, but Charlie Fry, as much as he wasn't a very good quarterback in the NFL, not really a bust. So he gets upset by Bo Bell. We got three upsets in the weed kills bracket. Unbelievable, or we'll call it the weed didn't kills bracket. So uh, Bo Bell, Vince Mail, and Jeremiah Farms, all the 10, 11, 12 seeds all advance. All right. So we'll go to the eight versus nine matchups now. Excuse me, I got cough. And I'll rip through the eight nines pretty quickly. All right. We have Travis Wilson, 78th overall pick in 2006, versus Jawan Dawson, 79th overall pick in 2000. Great matchup, both wide receivers. Uh, Jawan Dawson, you know, that's another one where it's like, he was drafted on a team with so many wide receivers that actually were good. Jawan Dawson couldn't do anything, um, couldn't break through. 79th overall pick on a team, on an expansion team, you're expecting, you're hoping a lot. However, Travis Wilson, four career games, and he was a big-time player in college. Oklahoma, everyone remembers Travis Wilson. Like He was a big-time player, and he played four career games. I, I put a lot of stock in only playing four games in his career. So uh, Travis Wilson's going to advance. Uh, he is the eight seed. He's going to beat Jawan Dawson. They're practically taken at the same exact spot. Um, but Travis Wilson only played four career games, so much bigger bust and bigger college player. Okay, another, uh, I, I like this matchup too. Leon McFadden, 68th overall pick in 2013, taking on Antonio Perkins, the 103rd pick in 2005. Both D-backs. Again, uh, Antonio Perkins, another um, another Oklahoma guy. Leon McFadden um, was in a draft where the Browns didn't have a lot of draft picks. They drafted Barkebius Mingo. They gave up um, their second rounder for the rights to draft Josh Gordon. And then they took Leon McFadden in the third round right before they could have taken Tyran Matthew. And I really wanted them to take Holly Badger at that spot. I understand why they didn't, but Leon McFadden, I mean, he never played. He That was a really bad pick for them. But Antonio Perkins only played six games. So it's tough call. This could go either way. It's basically um, going to come down to the expectations 
And McFadden was taken a little bit higher. He was taken before other players. And it was part of a really small draft class in a year where there are a lot of bad players. So he is going to survive the Antonio Perkins scare. The eight again beats a nine. Next up, oof. This is a good one. In 2018, Chad Thomas was taken 67th overall. And then in 2015, Xavier Cooper was taken 96th overall, both D linemen. Xavier Cooper was an inside um, interior defensive lineman, whereas Chad Thomas was an edge. Um, neither guy lived, basically, you know, played. Um, they joined rooms where there were other players that were better than them already there. So, like, it, it was kind of tough for them both to break through. I really like this matchup, just like the last two, where they were all basically in similar situations and they all failed basically the same amount. Uh, but Chad Thomas, he's going to advance here. Not only was he taken 30 spots higher, um, but he flamed out even faster than uh, Xavier Cooper. And then the last eight versus nine in the Trust Me round, we have Marquis Smith in 99 was taken 76th overall versus Cody Kessler, who was taken 93rd overall. And even though usually I would say, you know, quarterbacks third round, you know what you're getting, um, but the Trust Me gets him to win. You know, he, it, like Hugh Jackson said, Trust Me. So that elevated him from being the 96th overall pick or 93rd overall pick to basically a fringe first, second rounder. To, if you're going to say trust me and and it's about a quarterback and he's the quarterback whisperer, like he got us all of our hopes up. So, all right, the first round is over. Cody Kessler advances as a nine seed. He's the first nine seed to win one of the few uh, lower upsets. So uh, we will start in the trust me bracket. Nine seed Cody Kessler takes on one seed, number one overall seed, Tim Couch, First overall pick in 1999 versus Cody Kessler, the 93rd overall pick in 2016. This is a tough one, right? You know, because Cody Kessler, the advantage that he has is that um, he was a third round pick and like a late third rounder at that, too, where like, okay, what are your expectations? Basically, if Hugh Jackson ever opened his mouth, we're looking at this guy's like, all right, the Browns drafted a backup quarterback in the third round. He was too high of a pick, but whatever. But Tim Couch, you know, for being the first overall pick, he was at least like it, it, the reason he wasn't that good was because he was injured so much. And had he been like the 15th overall pick, we would have said, hey, you know what? He's not a bust at all. But he was the first overall pick, the expansion Browns, 1999. And there were other quarterbacks in that draft. You know, they could have went with, uh, you know, McNabb. They could have went with a couple. I mean, there were a couple of guys they could have drafted uh, that they might have been able to, to like, you know, if they didn't get hurt, may, might have been the guy. But um, Tim Couch. It's this is a tough matchup. Who is the bigger bust, Tim Couch or Cody Kessler? Uh, as much as I don't even want to have Tim Couch advance at this point, uh, he might just have to only because Cody Kessler. Oh, man, this is a tough fight. This is like almost like a coin flip type of decision. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Damn, I got to go with Couch. As much as I don't want to pick him to advance, Tim Couch advances because he was the first overall pick. And even though he was a good player and Cody Kessler stunk, you're the first overall pick. First overall pick has a lot of attachment to it. 
Okay. So, um, <coughs> excuse me. All right. In the Nation of Chad bracket, the eight seed Chad Thomas takes on the number one overall seed, or not number one, but in the bracket, Courtney Brown. He was a defensive end out of Penn State, uh, outside linebacker, what have you. A lot of people expected Courtney Brown to be a big-time player. Okay, you drafted Tim Couch in 99. You have your franchise quarterback. Now you get your, like, Lawrence Taylor type of D-end linebacker. He is going to be a monster in the league. But through injuries and kind of a slow start to his career, Courtney Brown never really amounted to much. And, uh, you know, as the first overall pick, that makes you a bust, right? We just talked about having being the first overall pick. There is, like, a lot riding on that. Um and he is going up against Chad Thomas, the Nation of Chad bracket. Um, as much as I want to say Chad Thomas is a bigger bust, again, Courtney Brown, first overall pick. It's really hard to go against that. So uh, Courtney Brown advances in the Nation of Chad bracket. Uh, all right, next up, we have Leon McFadden, the eight seed, taking on Trent Richardson. Uh, Leon McFadden. Big time bust, but again, Trent Richardson, we'll get to more of that. He he rolls into the Sweet 16. All right, and then the final eight versus one, we have Travis Wilson uh, in 2006. He played four career games. He's going up against Braylon Edwards, was the third overall pick in 2005. This is tough because Travis Wilson, even though, you know, okay, all right, he was taking 75 spots after Braylon, right? Uh, a year later, 70 spots later, he plays four career games. Braylon Edwards, Braylon Edwards put together a Pro Bowl season once. So, you know, you might want to think like, hey, that how is that really a bust? You know, if Braylon Edwards, that's he had some good seasons. He had 16 touchdowns one year. He was a number one receiver. He was he was number one wide receiver, legit, and uh, hard to kind of uh, you know call him a bust. Yeah, after long, long thoughts, I'm going to go with Travis Wilson being the bigger bust than Braylon Edwards. Um, Huge upset. One seed Braylon Edwards doesn't even make it to the Sweet 16. He gets replaced by Travis Wilson, the eight seed. Um, You know, that's just like, it's it's a sign to show that like, hey, you know, even a little bit of production can kind of take off that bust label. Braylon Edwards, a lot of Browns fans really didn't like him, whether it was because he went to Michigan or because he cared more about like his brand or whatever. There are a lot of reasons not to like uh, Braylon Edwards, but I mean, he put up some really good seasons for the Cleveland Browns. He was a number one wide receiver; like he earned that status. It was a short-lived status. He wasn't that big of a bust in my eyes. Okay, so the first one seed to go down. All right, <clears throat> moving on to the two versus sevens or tens. I guess you could say it could be a 15 versus a 7 and 10, but none of those advanced in this one. Gerard Big Penny Warren, a, num- a number three overall pick in 2001. Right after the Browns had one pick in 99, one pick in 2000. In 2001, they advanced all the way up to getting the third overall pick. Hey, how about that? And Gerard Big, I, I think his nickname was Big Money or Big Dollar. And then in the bigs, you know, in the NFL, he was known as Big Penny because he did not live up to that name. Uh, did not have a very good career with the Browns. Just showed that he was not worthy of the number three overall pick in 2001. Uh, however, he is facing uh, Bo Bell. 
And Bo, this man, the upsets in this side of the bracket. You know, Bo Bell only played five career games. He was the fourth. He was the fourth round pick, one hundred four overall. And on you know on this scale, Travis Wilson, he just beat Brown Edwards. But you know, Bo Bell, he was the Browns' first pick in two thousand eight. Gerard Warren was the Browns' first pick in two thousand one. Um, but you know, but Warren is going to for survive here. Um. This is it's it's a tough one. Bo Bell, I think he had a really good run in here, almost making it to the Sweet Sixteen. However, um, Big Penny Warren, uh, just a big bust. When you when you're talking number three overall with that little production, uh, that's that's kind of the the kiss of death. All right, so in the uh, Billy Vegas side of the bracket. We have Greg Little, the seven seed, taking on Barkevius Mingo, the two seed, 2013's sixth overall pick. <coughs> we, I mean, we're talking about real contenders here on both uh, both sides of the ball. Greg Little and Barkevius played together on the Cleveland Browns. Little was the almost 60th overall pick, late, late second round pick. Um, as much as he had dropped problems, he did have a little bit of production. However, Barkevius Mingo, the one thing he has going for him is that even though he was a bad pick, even though he was sixth overall and uh, didn't live up to the hype, was basically, you know, cursed because he was a um, undersized, you know, D-end, outside linebacker, never really got his footing in the league. But the one thing he has going for him is in that draft, there were a lot of bad first round picks. There were a lot of guys drafted way too high. 2013, a draft I went to, did not have a lot of good picks. That being said, Barkevius Mingo was horrible. And even though he is still in the league, he's still finding ways to be in the NFL, more so as a special teamer and depth piece. Uh, So good for him to make it. But uh, Greg Little, uh, I think your run has ended here. Uh, You are not going to make the Sweet 16. Barkevius Mingo is just too big of a threat. Okay. Okay, moving on over to the uh, Nation of Chad bracket. Chad, you know, Chad uh, Chad has already been eliminated from this bracket. Uh, he was eliminated by Courtney Brown. However, the 2C Kellen Winslow Jr., uh, you know, tight end, sixth overall pick in 2004, he is taking on the, uh, excuse me, the 10 seed Martin Rucker, who in 2008 was drafted in the fourth round, only played five games. Again, we're looking at a similar type of situation uh, that Braylon Edwards was just in. Kellen Winslow, he had some really nice seasons. He was at least a pro bowler in 2007. Um, He had a motorcycle accident his rookie year or second year. Um, He got hurt on on, uh, onside kick against Dallas that ended his season uh, with an ACL injury. Two freak accidents really derailed his career, but being the sixth overall pick, he was you know the Browns moved up and lost a second round pick, moving up one spot to get him. Uh, they could have taken Sean Taylor, and I mean Sean Taylor outside of you know being killed in his own home, he you know put up like a Hall of Fame career for when he was playing. Kellen Winslow was pretty good when he was on the field, but he was more known for being a fiery personality or AKA asshole off the field. Uh, he is going up against Martin Rucker with the same thoughts. Uh, you know, Braylon Edwards lost to Travis Wilson 
for the same reason. However, uh, Martin Rucker, he was just too much of an unknown at the time he was drafted uh, versus Kellen Winslow, who, you know, there was so much hype around him. Uh, so, uh, you know, Kellen Winslow, he's going to advance here. Uh, I don't think there's going to be much of much of a you know stink about that. So we're clearing Martin Rucker. Good for you, Martin. You survive in advance. All right, moving back to another seven versus two. Justin Gilbert taking on Montario Hardesty. Uh, Hardesty was taken in the second round, running back. He did play a little bit in 2010 he but he was a guy that they already knew he was hurt when they drafted him so he was playing on like borrowed time uh it was a bad pick however is not nearly as bad as the pick that uh justin gilbert was and we'll get more to justin gilbert in a little bit but he cruises to the sweet 16 and i will explain why in his next round matchup but staying in that bracket the six versus three, the first six versus three, David Vicuni is taking on Danny Shelton. Uh, Danny Shelton, 12th overall pick in 2015. He is going to lose to David Vicuni here. Now, here's why. Danny Shelton has found a way to at least be on the field. While he was best known for basically being a run stuffer who wasn't that great at stuffing the run, he found a way to get paid. He was actually okay even if he was overdrafted and just like just proving you don't draft run stuffers in round one because you, you know you need to draft guys who do it all interior disruptors and he was not um, but he found a way to at least be good in the league David Vicuni or Vicune however you want to pronounce it was an uh, an inside linebacker at Hawaii, that they were moving to defensive end. He was off of so many draft boards because, the, you know, some guys just basically had him as like an undrafted free agent. And the Browns took him at 52 overall in a year where the Browns had three second round picks, Mo Massaqua, Brian Rubisky, and David Vicuni in 2009. And they had Alex Mack was a late first rounder that year because they tra- traded down like three times. It was the first time the Browns really upset me in the draft was when they moved down, moved down, moved down to end up with Alex Mack, even though Alex Mack ended up being a pretty good player. But, um, I mean, no match for how bad of a pick David Vicuni was. David Vicuni had less career tackles than Brady Quinn did. Think about that. And he was drafted in the second round to be a defensive end he did the reverse Teddy Bruschi, you know, a defensive end in college that moved to inside linebacker. And uh, he, he was the reverse of that. So um, what a terrible pick he was. He he clears uh, Danny Shelton and moves on to the Sweet 16 uh, where he will face, you know, he upsets the three. So he'll get Justin Gilbert in the Sweet 16. All right, so um, rounding out that bracket, I'm just going to finish out each bracket now. Um, Austin Corbett, the four seed, taking on Demario Minter, the 12 seed. 12 seed went far here, but here's not going to beat Austin Corbett. Austin Corbett, great four seed here. Um, again, you know, he he was given, you know, his first year, his rookie year, he didn't play at all. His second year, he was supposed to be the starter. He couldn't win the job, and the Browns had to move on from him 
right away in 2019 so that in 2020 they uh you know moved on pretty quickly to Wyatt Teller and he put up a Pro Bowl season Wyatt Teller good for him so all right the the field is set in the trust me bracket uh six seed David Vicuni moves on to the Sweet 16 They'll take on Justin Gilbert, the two seed, and then uh, one seed Tim Couch will face Austin Corbett. All right, it's only one upset there, really. All right, um, so finishing up the chat, Nation of Chad bracket, uh, we have Corey Coleman, the three seed, taking on Nate Orchard. Uh, as much as I like Nate Orchard here, I think this is uh, pretty clearly a Corey Coleman victory. Uh, Coleman... You know, they, they had a high pick, they moved down, and you, when you take a wide receiver in round one, like, I was giving wide receivers a break in round two, I'm not giving you a break in round one. Like, you're supposed to be an absolute baller, and this guy just found ways to always disappoint you, uh, whether it was his hamstring, his hands, his routes, whatever, he was so bad, and he's most known for... You know, the Browns basically sealing their winless year when Kaiser threw a bullet to his face and it went through his hands, hit him in the face mask, went out of bounds, and the Browns lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers because of that, you know, failed fourth down conversion. So, um, I'm Corey Coleman gets the edge here. He beats Nate Orchard, who was just a really bad defensive end, but Corey Coleman, equally as bad, much higher pick. Um, and then the four versus five, Brady Quinn. 22nd overall pick, first rounder, 2007. The Browns traded back up into round one to get Brady Quinn. Uh, and it just never worked out. He wasn't really given a fresh chance his rookie year. You know, Romeo, Romeo Cornell didn't want to start a rookie quarterback. He started Derek Anderson and Charlie Fry before he gave Brady Quinn a chance. And, you know, Brady Quinn, then he had to go on and basically prove himself to... Eric Mangini, after knocking a shot with Romeo Cornell, that didn't work. Uh, it was just a mess. I really do believe if Brady Quinn was taken by another team, he could have a Hall of Fame career by now. Uh, maybe that's a little um, embellishing, like a little bit. But I really did believe in Brady Quinn that much. And I believed in that pick. Uh, I felt like, you know what, after they drafted their left tackle at number three in Joe Thomas, and that ended up being a huge pick, uh, moving up to get Brady Quinn, even though it cost you a future first, which only ended up being Felix Jones, um, I, I like that move. I like that move 10 times out of 10. It just didn't work out in the long run. Uh, he takes on Brian Rubisky, though. Hold on, water break. And Rubisky, he was a second-round pick. Ohio State guy, so, you know, coach's son... A lot of people expected um, Brian Rubisky to be kind of like, you know, a just very reliable, dependable wide receiver, good route runner, good hands, not going to be like an absolute burner, but going to be dependable, someone that like is just on the field at all times for you. And in 2009, that's what we really needed for a guy like Brady Quinn for, you know, just like a wide receiver that was always going to catch your passes. And 36th overall, he was practically a first rounder, so... This is really hard to rate, you know, based on like the bustability, but there's something about quarterbacks, you know. I mean, think let's think about it this way. They were taking 14 spots apart. Rubisky was only 14 spots behind where Brady Quinn was drafted. Um and as much as I love Brady Quinn and I want to give him the pass here, man, this is a great matchup because I really do think Brian Rubisky has a chance to 
either of these guys have a chance to upset Courtney Brown in the next spot um, as like the Browns' biggest bust. Uh, however, only one can make the Sweet 16. And you could argue, till the cows come home, of who was the bigger bust. Um, neither guy was really given much of a long chance here. Uh, neither guy really made a real impression. However, Brady Quinn actually put up some good games. So I'm going to give him the pass here. And since he was only 14 spots at Brian Rubisky, Rubisky just never was on, like, we could never even play. Just never played. So I'm going to give Brian Rubisky the win here. He moves on. He upsets Brady Quinn. And in this bracket, we now have Courtney Brown, the one seed, Kellen Winslow, the two seed, Corey Coleman, the three seed, and Brian Rubisky, the five seed. Move on to the Sweet 16. All right. Uh, moving on again, we have uh, Trent Richardson advanced, Barkevius Mingo advanced. We now have William Green, running back, taking 16th overall in 2002. A lot like Corey Coleman, who was taking 15th overall in 2016. He's taking on Howard Wilson. Uh, Howard Wilson, it was a nice nice run beating the sixth seed in round one. However, there's no way you are beating William Green. William Green shatters him there. So the three seed advances. All, um, you know, now they're all top three seeds in the uh, Billy Vegas uh, draft advance. Now it's just down to Johnny Manziel himself taking on Raheem Abdullah. Um, look, as much as Raheem Abdullah, you know, you're a linebacker in round two. You gotta make make you gotta make the team, you gotta play, you gotta find a way to at least contribute. Um, there's no way he's taking down Johnny Manziel. I mean, Johnny Manziel is one of the greatest drafts or draft busts of all time. So he's gonna advance easily here. Um his off field stuff, I mean, you know. In fairness to Abdullah, no no one knows who that guy is. Uh, everyone knows who Johnny Football is. Okay, so, and then finally we have the upsets, right? Vince Mayle, the 11 seed. Jeremiah Farms, the 12 seeds. They're still alive. Can either of them take down uh, Cam Irving or Brandon Whedon? Uh, in fairness, absolutely not. Brandon Whedon, he is the four seed. He is taking on... Uh, he advances pretty easily, um, and Cam Irving, they're both, you know, Vince Mayo, Jeremiah Farms, both guys, you know, they had a nice run here, but uh, neither of them are nearly uh, strong enough to take down Cam Irving or Brandon Whedon. First round picks in 2015 and 2012, guys who were just taken way, way, way too high, uh, and then just found ways to completely embarrass themselves when they're on the field. So with that being said, we have the Sweet 16. It is set um, in the Weed Kills bracket. We have two-seed Gerard Warren versus uh, three-seed Cam Irving. Love that matchup. And then five, four-seed Brandon Whedon taking on eight-seed Travis Wilson. Did not think Travis Wilson would make it this far, but... Um, here we are. Uh, in the uh, Billy Vegas spot, we have Trent Richardson of 2012's third overall pick taking on Johnny Manziel, 2014, 22nd overall pick. And then Barkevius Mingo, 2013 sixth overall pick versus William Green, the 2002 16th overall pick. In the Nation of Chad region, we have Courtney Brown, the one seed uh, first overall pick in 2000, taking on Five seed Brian Rubisky, 
um, who was the 36th pick in 2009. He upset Brady Quinn again here. And then we also have Kellen Winslow versus Corey Coleman, 2004 and 2016 first-round picks uh, at tight end and wide receiver. That's a fun matchup. And then finally in the uh, Trust Me region, Tim Couch, the one seed overall, is taking on uh, Austin Corbett, the 33rd pick in 2018. And then Justin Gilbert, the eighth seed in, or the eighth pick in 2014, will be taking on David Vicuni, the 52nd pick in 2009. That might be my favorite matchup of this round, uh, of the entire bracket, I will say, is that is those two. Those two are just epic busts. So, with that being said, we're going to move along. Tim Couch, first pick in 1999, first overall seed in this. He was hurt. He was supposed to be the guy to save the Cleveland Browns. Uh, it's tough to really call him a bust, but, you know, like it's hard. I mean, look, if you're the one seed and you have, if you're the first overall pick in 1999 and you have the career he had, you are a bust. Um, Austin Corbett, though, just never saw the field as the 33rd overall pick. First round, first pick of the second round. It really comes down to how much you want to give. Uh, Tim Couch like slack for being hurt, you know, for basically being like, hey, I was I played through injury, but there's only so much I could do. How much do you look at me as a bust when I was playing through this versus Austin Corbett, who, you know, he was the 33rd overall pick. He had no business being drafted 33, but he never even found a way to get on the field for the Browns. He was basically a special teamer. And back up, and then when they were basically forcing him to win the right guard spot, he couldn't even do that. So um, it's really a tough call at this point. Uh, I don't want either of them to advance. I'd rather see both Gilbert and Vicuni advance. Uh, however, that's not how this is going to work. Uh, only one of them gets to advance. And uh, I'm going to say Corbett upsets Couch here. And give Tim Couch a little bit of respect. He was given a just a horrible spot uh, when you know he went to the Browns in '99, and Austin Corbett. He was going to a team that was actually on the rise, and um, yeah, couldn't couldn't even couldn't figure it out. He really couldn't get a spot at right guard. They had it wide open for him, and he just couldn't get it. So he beats Tim Couch here. It's almost like a mercy killing. But the big matchup in this region. Uh, is Justin Gilbert in 2014. He was the 8th overall pick versus David Vicuni in 2009 was the 52nd pick. Um, everyone knows I love David Vicuni as a huge upset and, a, and you know basically making a great run here. I think either of these guys could win the whole bracket. However, Justin Gilbert, you know, 2014 was a special draft for Browns busts because, <coughs> excuse me, Gilbert... The Browns had the, the fourth overall pick. Uh, the first couple picks go Jadavian Clowney. Um, he was the first one off the board. Greg Robinson uh, was the second overall pick, tackle out of Auburn. And then Blake Bortles went number three. So, you know, obviously Clowney went one. He had so much hype. Like, that's that's no surprise there. But the next two picks were busts. So it was like, all right, Browns at four. You could take anybody. And they decided to trade down because the Bills wanted Sammy Watkins. Um, Khalil Mack ends up going a pick later to Oakland. And uh, 
then there was a string of picks where it was like, okay, um, <laughs> geez, this is bad because the Browns could have had uh, Mike Evans. They could have had Odell Beckham. They could have had uh, Aaron Donald. The, the picks from 9 to like 19, uh, Ryan Chazier, CJ Mosley, uh, Eric Ebron, there were pro bowlers all over the place. All throughout the middle of the first round were pro bowlers. And the Browns traded up a spot after trading down to make sure they got Justin Gilbert. Uh, they did pick up an extra one. And they didn't take the big risk on Johnny Manziel, even though a lot of people, including myself at the time, wanted them to go Johnny Manziel there. And they didn't. They went Justin Gilbert, a corner that everyone was like, huh, okay. He was like, arguably like the second, the third best corner in this draft. Browns made him the first corner. Draft him way too early. They never had him in for a visit. They never met him. It was a complete shocking pick. And it shows because he had the worst attitude on the team. He was, I mean, just absolutely, he, he, like, you know, veterans couldn't even get him to show up to game day on time. There was one time he came so late where he missed all of warmups. He showed up. Dante Whitner had to be restrained because he was going to kill him. And then Justin Gilbert's just like smacking his gum, laughing at Dante Whitner, who's being held back, basically saying like, kid, you ain't shit. Just because you were a first round pick doesn't mean nothing. And it's a real shame that like his career went the way it did because the, the like there was nothing he could do. He he like his rookie year he was basically a waste. Like he was never given a chance, or I'm sorry, excuse me. He was he was given chances, but he never even earned playing time as a rookie eighth overall pick in a draft filled with studs. And this guy couldn't even make the uh, make it onto the field. He was so carelessly. It, like uninvolved with the Cleveland Browns. And that was at a time that we really could have used like a new face for the team too. Especially since like Brandon Whedon had just failed out. They traded Trent Richardson, the 2013, you know, 2012 first round picks. 2013 Barkevius Mingo was so bad. And then we followed up with 2014. I mean, the run of terrible picks from 2012 through 2016 is just like unbelievably bad. It's so bad. Just still left here. Justin Gilbert, 2014. Uh, um, Austin Corbett, no. Um, Corey Coleman, 2016. <coughs> uh, you have Trent Richardson, 2012. Barkevious Mingo, 2013. Johnny Manziel, 2014. Cam Irving, 2015. Brandon Weed in 2012. Th that's just in the Sweet 16 is mostly guys in that 2012 to 2016 range. First round picks, all of them. Unbelievable. So Justin Gilbert is going to beat David Vicuni because uh, as much as David Vicuni is one of my like sleeper picks of this entire thing, Gilbert is just, he's one of the worst picks of all time. So he, he beats David Vicuni. He very clearly beats Austin Corbett. And the two seed Justin Gilbert wins his region um, which is the Trust Me region, which is so aptly named. So Justin Gilbert going to the Final Four. All right, next region over, we have Courtney Brown, the one, uh, one seed there, taking on Brian Rabisky. Uh, again, 
you know, Brian Rubisky, he had a really nice win over Brady Quinn. However, if you're looking at, you know, Brady Quinn as a bust versus Courtney Brown as a bust, Courtney Brown was the first overall pick, man. You, Brian Rubisky, you're a second rounder. You can't beat a number one overall pick here. So, uh, you know, as much as Austin Corbett did his best to beat Tim Couch, Tim Couch actually put up some good seasons. Uh, Courtney Brown did not. He never did. So, Courtney Brown advances. However, this 2-3 matchup, Kellen Winslow versus Corey Coleman, damn, that is a good one. Uh, Corey Coleman, uh, he is actually going to beat Kellen Winslow here because Kellen Winslow found a way to make the Pro Bowl. He found a way to be a effective tight end in the NFL. He was one of the best tight ends in the NFL for a small period of time. So similar to Braylon Edwards, it was like, hey, look, as much as like there was a lot of hype around this pick and he was a high top six pick, you think like, okay, you got to be an absolute stud. He was, it just didn't last very long and he ruined his career with injuries and attitude problems. So he doesn't beat Corey Coleman here, who was the 15th overall pick and just like in two years was just absolutely out. And uh, he, you know, he was basically given a starting wide receiver spot, even though he never earned it. He was supposed to be part of a trio of wide receivers in Cleveland with Josh Gordon and Terrell Pryor as like a, hey, this trio of wide receivers is going to bring us back and put us on the map. And uh, yeah, he couldn't beat... Terrell Pryor, who was a quarterback, and Josh Gordon, who could never really, you know, be on the field anyway. So, uh, Corey Coleman, you advance, you beat Kellen Winslow here. And just talking about the Courtney Brown pick, Corey Coleman, he has enough firepower to beat Courtney Brown as a bust. So, Corey Coleman, he is going to advance to the final four as well, uh, beating Courtney Brown. Uh, this one was a. Uh, that, that's a little bit of an upset. A three seed winning the Nation of Chad bracket. I could have seen that going to almost anybody there because I felt like there are a lot of guys that could have uh, won that. But moving on, all top four seeds in the Billy Vegas uh, bracket are still alive. You have the first matchup is William Green versus Barkevius Mingo. Uh, William Green in 2002 was the 16th overall pick. He is taking on Mingo, the sixth overall pick from 13. Uh, William Green, you know what? It, it comes down to he was run William run. He had one of the greatest moments I have ever witnessed as a Browns fan. I was there live. He scored on a 68, 69-yard uh, touchdown run that basically put away the Atlanta Falcons and the Browns made the playoffs. He never lived up to being a first-round running back. But at least he had that, and he had like two good seasons in the NFL before he flamed out, and it didn't work out for him. He has actually put his life back on track, though. He does a lot of like FCA football camps, and uh, just like a lot of things where it shows, like, hey, you know, he's actually turning around. Uh, not that that really matters here, but he does not beat Mingo, who, it, I mean, was he was taken six or ten spots higher, and. You know, as like a pass rusher was never really a pass rusher. So Mingo advances, but the real matchup that a lot of people wanted to see was Trent Richardson versus Johnny Manziel. Uh, T. Rich, third overall pick in 2012. You take a running back at three, that's a that's a lot worse than 16. Trent Richardson's one of the poster childs for why you don't take a running back that high. Because 
even though Trent Richardson had 11 touchdowns his his rookie year, um, trotted to like three yards a carry, couldn't see a single hole in, in in for to save his life. At least the Browns recouped him by trading him to Indianapolis and getting a first round pick. Um, that's not to say they didn't waste the first round pick by drafting Johnny Manziel. Uh, however, so it's kind of funny that the t- these two are linked because Trent Richardson. 2012 was in the rookie of the year running 2013 absolutely like you know started didn't really work out for him and they traded him like three games in I remember on the way home on the train seeing that the Browns traded Trent Richardson I was like what the actual fuck we traded Trent Richardson already his Browns career was over real quick um, and then, of course, in the April, they drafted Johnny Manziel with that pick. They had to move up one spot to take Johnny Manziel, but, you know, anyway. Um, so it's funny that those two guys are matched up here. Um, and it's most likely the winner of this will beat Barkebius Mingo. It's just, you know, you know, in, even though there were consecutive first-round picks, right? Richardson in 2012, Barkebius Mingo in 2013, Johnny Manziel in 2014. Not technically consecutive because Justin Gilbert was taken in 2014 as well and uh, Brandon Whedon was taken in 2012 as well but it just goes to show just how strongly terrible those years of drafting were Um, in terms of dust though I'm gonna say Trent Richardson gets uh, gets beaten by Johnny Manziel here because Richardson actually put together a decent rookie season for the Browns it was just that um he was he was just never going to be able to live up to being the number three overall pick, especially in Cleveland where, you know, I mean, he was at Alabama. He was part of a really great run of running backs at Alabama, like actually in college, not like from pros, but a great run of college running backs there. And like everything pointed to he was going to be great. um, And he was like decent, but not good. And then just flamed out really quickly Johnny Manziel had just as much hype, if not more. No, he had more than Trent Richardson. Johnny Manziel was one of the hype, most hyped-up college players of all time. Um, obviously, he has his off-the-field problems. He had his money Manziel thing. He got in trouble um, with you know police. He had his pro day where he was wearing pads and, and thought he was being awesome. Um, he had like the pictures of him like talking to the stacks of money. All those things go into Johnny Manziel beating Trent Richardson because they, you know, Manziel was worse on the field, was hyped up even more, and even though he was taken 19 spots later, uh, he is clearly one of the biggest busts of all time. Uh, This was a great matchup, and then obviously I'm going to give Manziel the win over Mingo here um, just because if he could beat Trent Richardson, he could absolutely beat Barkevious Mingo. Uh, Mingo at least has made a career for himself in the NFL. You can at least say that because he's made it as a special teamer. Whereas Johnny Manziel, he flamed out and no one's ever wanted to touch him ever since. So Johnny Manziel, he makes the final four joining Corey Coleman and Justin Gilbert. So we have two first round picks from 2014 making the final four of bus. If you want to look at that 2014 first round, you'll be horrified to see who was taken in between Gilbert and Manziel and just see... What were the odds that the Browns picked the two worst picks in the first round that year? Like, what were the odds? And they did it. Okay, so the final bracket, um, this one, 
Uh, the one seed, Braylon Edwards, is already out. Travis Wilson beat him. He's taking on Brandon Whedon. And let me just say, there's absolutely no way he beats Brandon Whedon. I'm just going to save time there by eliminating Travis Wilson. Great run to the Sweet 16. He can't beat Brandon Whedon. And then Gerard Warren, the third overall pick in 2001. He is the oldest member still here. He's the only one that was drafted before 2012 that's still alive um, in this bracket. He's taking on Cam Irving, the 19th pick in 2015. Uh, I'm going to give the edge here to Cam Irving. Uh, Gerard Warren at least played with, like, he didn't embarrass himself when he was on the Browns. He wasn't very good, but Cam Irving is was one of the most embarrassing players I've ever seen on the Browns. Right up there with Johnny Manziel and Brandon Whedon um, as, as, like, the most embarrassing players I've ever seen on the Browns. Where he was constantly being knocked on his ass. The reason the Browns drafted him in 19th overall was because they were like, hey, we're probably going to lose Alex Mack. When we lose Alex Mack, we have Cam Irving to take over at center. If we don't lose him, Cam Irving, he can play offensive tackle. He can play offensive guard. He can play wherever because he has versatility. So we might as well take him. He'll do fine. He'll be all right. And we'll just move him around. And Cam Irving, he'll find a way to play. And, I mean, everywhere we played him, he was just, he was constantly on his ass. And as an offensive lineman, that's like the worst thing in the world. So he's going to beat Gerard Warren, move on to the the Elite Eight, because he just embarrassed himself so much. And like, I remember Gerard Warren being drafted and not being really good, and it stuck because, stunk because, you know, you took him and Courtney Brown in back-to-back drafts, you're thinking, wow, the Browns really like loaded up on D-line, and neither guy really panned out that well. But um, Gerard Warren found a way to, you know, be a playoff player. You know, he was on the playoff rounds. Um, with that being said, we have an Elite Eight matchup of Cam Irving and Brandon Whedon. We got another, this is another great matchup. This goes right up there with the Vicuni and uh, Gilbert action. And then, uh, you know, basically Johnny Manziel and Trent Richardson. Uh, this is another great one because these are the two most embarrassing players in Browns history. I think. I think it's pretty fair to say that. Cam Irving constantly on his ass, but Brandon Whedon, I mean... Talk about just fish out of water. In 2012, I was a senior in college. Uh, I was just about to graduate, and I I like heavily invested myself in the 2012 draft because Andrew Luck was coming out. RG3 was such a huge splash player in college that year. He won the Heisman, and I really wanted the Browns to take him at third overall. But then Washington moves up to number two, and it's like, okay, they're going to get RG3. They, I think they traded with the Rams, right? Yeah. They traded with the Rams, and they made that huge splash. I was like, shit, we're not going to get RG3. Um, uh, and and it was like, all right, so I guess the Browns are going to get like the next best guy. Um, and I was like, maybe we'll take like Ryan Tannehill. Maybe we'll take like Nick Foles. Maybe we'll take like Russell Wilson. And I wasn't like... In, I wasn't in on any of those guys, but in that draft, I was like, okay, Trent Richardson at three. I'm like, that that's pretty dope. Like, I like that. And I was like, maybe we'll draft like Kendall Wright, the wide receiver out of Baylor. I was like, yeah, like that wouldn't be a horrible pick uh, if we went with that. And then just like punted and went quarterback next year or something. Like, that's kind of like what I was like dealing with. I was like, you know what? I actually liked Colt McCoy too. I wanted to give Colt McCoy as many chances as possible. 
So I was like, let's just build around that and like give him chances. And when we're watching the draft, I'm like re- waiting for 22. I'm waiting for 22. We already drafted Trent Richardson. I was pretty happy with that. I'm waiting for 22. And Brendan asked, I uh, mentioned Brendan already. He was on the podcast a couple weeks ago. I, Brendan asked me, he goes, Jake, what's the worst thing the Browns could do here? And foolishly, I answered. I should know better than to answer him at the, on, on that question. And I go, oh, I don't know. Um, and I was like, probably Brandon Whedon. I'm like, that's the worst thing the Browns could do is draft Brandon Whedon. And within seconds, they show Brandon Whedon on TV. Browns are on the clock. And it shows him answering his phone. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. I'm like, maybe he's talking to someone else. And he hangs up the phone and gives like this huge fist pump. And we're like, oh, my God, the Browns are about to draft Brandon Whedon. This 28-year-old quarterback who is a minor league pitcher. He's basically an old man. And I say old man. I'm older than he was when he was drafted. But it was just such a failed draft pick at the time. It was like, oh, my God, this is going to be – this is absolutely going to blow up. And I expected him to be bad. And he actually did do some good things as a quarterback. Like, he he actually had, like, a really good arm. But his low points – I mean, his first game ever, he gets, like, run over by a flag. And he gets caught underneath the flag. And you're like, if this isn't just – that's his first game ever. It's like, of course that happens to him on his first game ever. And I'm there. I'm at that game um, and against the Eagles. And he throws four interceptions his first game. It's like one of the worst first games of all time until Nathan, Nathan Peterson came around. Um, and it's like, we should know then. We should have known then how bad he'd be. And then, of course, um, he has like the interception against Detroit. He um, has the safety against Jacksonville. He just has play after play after play of embarrassing moments. So as much as Cam Irving was a bust for being a bad offensive lineman, um, Brandon Whedon is like especially bad. And I want to have Cam Irving advance, but it's Brandon Whedon. Uh, Whedon takes the cake here. So um, we are at the final four. And the final four is Justin Gilbert, 2014's first round pick. Eighth overall. Uh, Corey Coleman, 2016, first round pick, 15th overall. Johnny Manziel, 2014, another 2014 pick, 22nd overall. And then Brandon Whedon, 2012, 22nd overall. Two quarterbacks, a wide receiver, and a corner. Uh, I mean, just goes to show that stretch of 2012 to 2016, just absolutely horrendous. Just like, what a horrible run of first round picks. Then in 2017, the Browns drafted Miles Garrett. 2018, they drafted Baker and Denzel Ward. And it's like, holy shit, this was actually possible. It was actually possible to draft good football players. So in this final four, I mean, this this is like a this is cream of the crop. This is really the best of the best. It's whoever you you like here. Um, in the first matchup, we have Justin Gilbert versus Corey Coleman. Um Gilbert was taken seven spots higher two years earlier. Uh, they, they both ran, were ran out of Cleveland in similar time frames. Um, both were horrible. Corey Coleman at least was on the field. Um, but yeah, horrible career he had with Cleveland. Pretty big bust. But he at least was on the field. And it not even injury related. Justin Gilbert just couldn't be played because... No one could stand him. He didn't give a shit. 
So he's the bigger bust here than Corey Coleman. Corey Coleman, great run here, but Justin Gilbert takes the cake. You're moving on to the championship. Does he take on his draft mate in Johnny Manziel or Brandon Whedon? Um, he of the same position and same draft pick. So this is a great matchup, right? We're talking about Whedon versus Johnny Manziel. Brady Quinn didn't make it nearly as far. These two guys make it to the Final Four. Very easy to uh, to to compare the two, right? So Brandon Whedon and, and Johnny Manziel, both quarterbacks. Both were taken 22nd overall and only two years apart. That's how bad Brandon Whedon was, by the way, that in 2012, the Browns already moved on to a, a first-round quarterback in 2014 because they were like, well, Brandon Whedon's probably retiring soon, so we got to move on and take a new quarterback. So, they were, so that just shows how bad Brandon Whedon was, that they were so quickly ready to turn around and take Johnny Manziel. Funny enough, too, that even though both quarterbacks were taken 22nd overall, just like Brady Quinn was, in 2007, they weren't even, and, and just like Brady Quinn, all three of those guys were taken 22nd overall, but they were not even the first pick of the Browns that year. Brandon Whedon's was, was preceded by Trent Richardson, third overall pick of running back. Uh, Johnny Manziel, preceded by Justin Gilbert, who's in the championship of this. And Brady Quinn, preceded by Joe Thomas, uh, third overall pick, again, just like Trent Richardson. Um, and it's funny enough because in the 2007 draft, I really wanted three players, Adrian Peterson, uh, who was drafted by the Vikings a couple picks after Joe Thomas. I did want Joe Thomas and I wanted Brady Quinn. So I ended up with Thomas and Quinn. I was really happy about that. Uh, it just never worked out for Brady Quinn. That being said, um, Manziel and Whedon, you know, Whedon was known more for his embarrassing moments, but in terms of just who was a bigger bust, uh, we didn't totally outplayed Johnny Manziel. Yeah, I mean, if you want to just look at it like facts, uh, as bad as a bust as Brandon Whedon was and as horrible as a pick as he was, he actually put together some strong performances and like won some actual games, whereas Johnny Manziel couldn't play his freshman year, his rookie year. And... Um, was just so bad that like he made Brian Hoyer look amazing. He never cared to learn football. He just wanted to be kind of like a springy, fun, upstart like option. And he made more headlines off the field than off and then on the field. So I'm gonna give Johnny Manziel the win here for being a bigger bust because Brandon Whedon, you know, God forgive him, as bad as he was he at least put up like some good games, some like big passing yards number. He had a rocket of an arm. He just was mostly known for being a horrible pick because it's like, what the fuck are you doing taking a 28-year quarterback um, ahead of Russell Wilson, ahead of Nick Foles? Ugh, just, just terrible. Just terrible, but not nearly as terrible as Johnny Manziel. I think that's a pretty, pretty easy win for Manziel because Manziel was unplayable. So it comes down to who's the bigger draft bust. Both were 2014 first-round picks. Johnny Manziel and Justin Gilbert. They meet in our championship. Uh, I could have told you this was going to happen uh, when I saw the brackets because I was like, you know what? They're the only. They're the ones that people say who are the biggest busts of all time. They often point to Trent Richardson. They often point to Johnny Manziel. Um, but Justin Gilbert doesn't get nearly enough credit. 
Both guys were run out of Cleveland super fast and were terrible when they were on the field. Gilbert was taken higher than Johnny Manziel. So, um, you know, if we're going if we're going by, you know, like the matchup, right? Who wins this matchup? All right. Who is taken higher? Gilbert. All right. So that's one for Gilbert. Who was worse when they were on the field? I mean, you could argue that Johnny Manziel was the worst professional quarterback of all time. Uh, Justin Gilbert just didn't play. So, like, on the field, I guess Manziel takes the cake there because he actually did play, whereas Gilbert never played. Um, who was worse as an influence? God, I mean, it, it's hard to say Johnny Man- like anyone could be a worse influence than Johnny Manziel, but Justin Gilbert just, like, couldn't care any less. Um, that being said, you know, like, who was a worse pick for the franchise? They were both first-round picks the same year. But when you take a quarterback in the first round, it it really sets you back because you owe him that money. And the Browns quit on him for Hugh Jackson. And it was like, I mean, you know, talk about talk about just such a horrible string of events there. That the, the draft, uh, Brandon Whedon in 2012 in the first round. Then they draft Johnny Manziel 2014 in the first round. Then they move on and they, they get Hugh Jackson in and he says, trust me on Cody Kessler. And it's just like, it's just a never ending string of events. It's really hard to pick a winner of this bracket. Who is the bigger bust? Johnny Manziel or Justin Gilbert? This is... This is like the Sophie's Choice of Cleveland Browns fans. Because as much as everyone hates, like Johnny Manziel was the popular pick here. But both were horrible. You know, John, like, okay, if we, if we have to say like something good about the players, Johnny Manziel, he sold more jerseys. He was at least like, something fun to talk about whereas Justin Gilbert people completely forget that the Browns even selected him um Johnny Manziel is the face and the poster child of bus whereas Justin Gilbert you know no one even knows who he is which like is ironically makes him even a bigger bust because nobody even knows that he's like a first round pick that he has this in his like repertoire like everyone knows Johnny Manziel was a first rounder but nobody even knows that Justin Gilbert was there so it's tough it's tough to actually finally have to pick one um I'd love to hear what other people have to say I really appreciate everyone for listening to this to me just ramble on about horrible Cleveland Browns for the last hour and a half um with that being said I have to crown champion I have to crown a champion of who was the biggest bust in in new Browns era history. Um, and with that being said, the champion is... Ju- ah, I'm just kidding. You know what? That's, I, I, had to, I had to tease that right there because when the Browns drafted Justin Gilbert, the first thing I heard was Ja, and I thought, oh my God, we drafted Johnny Manziel. But it was actually Justin Gilbert. And I was like, who? 
So both were bad picks, but who am I kidding? This is Johnny Manziel. He's the he's he's the biggest bust because I was I was being a little harsh on Justin Gilbert. Like he did actually play for the Browns. You know, his rookie year, he didn't start any games, but he did, you know, he played. He was he actually had like a couple games of like five plus tackles. Um, and he had a pick six against Indianapolis, which ironically was the game that Brian Hoyer was so bad. We finally decided to give Johnny Manziel the, um, the starting job. And then he went in against Cincinnati, Johnny Manziel, and put up one of the worst games I've ever seen from a quarterback against a team, Cincinnati, that like, you know, they were like, okay, they were like a playoff team, but like, they weren't that good that he should be that bad. Like he, like it didn't even look like he's ever played quarterback before, and then the next week against Carolina, he threw like ten passes, maybe if that. He got hurt in the game. It was just, it was so bad. Like he literally looked like a guy that had never played quarterback before, and I think that's what it comes down to. As even though Justin Gilbert was picked higher, that we were all scratching our heads why. Um, he at least looked like he knows how to play football. He just didn't care enough to actually get on the field. Johnny Manziel, he didn't care. He didn't care to practice or work or get any better. You know, after the 2014 season when he couldn't beat out Brian Hoyer and the Browns, you know, playoff chances were slipping away late in the season, they had to give him the shot because they were like, what else are we going to do? You know, we draft him in the first round. Brian Horror's not taking us anywhere. We got to do something. He gets blown out 30 to nothing to Cincinnati. He We lose by four points to Carolina. And it's like, well, if we could complete a pass, we'd probably beat Carolina. Instead, we lose 17 to 13. And then we had to start Connor Shaw um, the next the next week. You know, a classic, you know, Cleveland Browns week 17 starter. Then the next se- next season, Johnny Manziel, he doesn't beat out Josh McCown. Josh McCown instead helicopters into the end zone and fumbles it, and he has to play against the Jets, where he looked okay, and then he helped the Browns beat the Titans, even though he only took 15 passes in the game. And it's like, and that just shows it right there. It's like, the you know, he was a starting quarterback. The Browns won 28-14, but they only threw 15 passes because... Johnny Manziel doesn't know how to play football. Like he, like he literally doesn't know what to do. Um, later in the, you know, Josh McCown eventually gets his job back. But later in the season, you know, again, it was another classic Brown season where it was like going back and forth between quarterbacks. Every time he gets the chance, though, he throws like three for six or four for five, and like twenty-five yards or twelve yards. He throws six passes and has twelve yards against Arizona. Um. You know, and he finally gets another like chance, like throwing the ball. He goes 15 for 33. He goes 13 for 32. He always has like more sacks than he has touchdowns and interceptions combined. Um, he actually did have one good game though. He went 33 of 45 against the Pittsburgh Steelers for 372. Um, unfortunately, we only scored nine points that game. Uh, that day, I was actually driving home from Clemson, where I watched Clemson and Florida State. That was a much better drive knowing I didn't have to watch the Browns the whole time. But that's what it comes down to. Is even though both guys they lasted barely two years in Cleveland before, you know, being shipped out uh by the new regime. Uh I mean both guys were just absolutely pathetic Cleveland Browns. Neither guy worked hard to be on the field. Both guys were drafted in the first round in the same draft. 
But Johnny Manziel didn't even look like he knew how to play football when he was on the Cleveland Browns. So that's ultimately why he wins this. Thank you all for listening for me to me ramble about how bad the Browns picks have been in, since 1999. Uh, fortunately, the last few years have given us better picks, and we're not stuck in this hellhole anymore. Things are going well, and the draft is in less than three weeks. The Cleveland Browns are the Cleveland City. Cleveland is hosting the draft. I might have to find a way to go. I might have to go. So thanks for listening. Um, time to go to bed. <laughs>